Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. I'm Jack Chew. This is Tune It Over. Weekdays, 12.30 till 1 o'clock, and we chat about whatever is topical in the world of MSK. And, of course, therefore, we talk about FCP quite a bit, and uh, we've had a few shows on it recently, and um, some of you have been paying attention and listening in and then adding to the discussion and debate on the comments. And one of those people is Finn Robinson, who reached out to me on LinkedIn and said he enjoyed the show that we did with Keith Graham last week or the week before and wanted to contribute his thoughts because he's got some great insights as the founder and director of Pure Physio, who've been delivering Pure Physiotherapy, sorry to give them their full full title. And um, they've been delivering FCP services, uh, amongst other things, no doubt, um, for, for over five years. And so uh, great insights that he will have, as well as being one of the central trainers of FCPs as well. So it's gonna be great to discuss that with him. Uh, a few things I wanted just to, to, to mention before we get going, I hope those of you that were listening in yesterday, I mean, I've had some great feedback about that show I did with Claire Minchel. And so if you haven't already, then get booked onto her course because that cohort is going to be booked up quickly. And I know many of you were disappointed to miss out last time. So get get signed up to Claire's stuff. Pay attention to her work. I'm passionate about raising standards in, F, in uh, sorry, FCP, that as well, but uh, MSK practice and rehab. And so you know, Claire's work is, is so central to that. And she's such a leading light that we're lucky to have in the MSK game. We've got Therapy Business Live. No, Therapy Live Business, Saturday the 18th of September. That Tickets are on sale now. Uh, you can access the content through your membership if you're already a Physio Matters member. Or you can get your free ticket to Therapy Live Business um, for that Saturday. Three streams of education, um, which is shaping up really nicely. The program's coming together really well. And I didn't think this would happen, but I think this one will sell out as well. I said 1,000 tickets. I think we're probably going to get to 1,000 tickets by tomorrow, if not Sunday. We've extended that to 1500 uh, because uh, Michael Schumacher reckoned that's what we could do. And he turns out he was he was right. Uh, I didn't want to pay for the bandwidth for 1500 but he's, he's, he was right. And so we will. But it looks like we're going to sell out to that. So if you're interested in attending that and you want that um, content and access, then please do get going with that because I think it looks like it's going to sell out on, on track to in about 10 days' time. So please do get going with it. Therapy-live.com forward slash tickets and where's my little banner so then hopefully in a couple of clicks i can get stuck into today's interview today's guest do let me know if you can hear me okay hopefully all the tech is working and behaving it's been fairly stable recently in fact i've not been nearly as paranoid as usual um as to making sure it worked but let's get shut of my little frame and bring in today's guest finn can you hear me I can, yep, yeah, loud and clear. Fantastic. Thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. But nice to be uh, nice to be on the the forum like this. Yeah, good. I um thanks for reaching out uh, last week um, regarding FCP and around your insights into it. I think it's going to be a great chat. Um, what was it about my last conversation with Keith Graham that then made you reach out and fancy getting stuck into this with me today? Well, it was it was a really good discussion and. Um, We've been delivering FCP for, as you say, just just over five years now. Initially through CCG funding in the east east coast of, of um, Norfolk, um, that was specifically targeted around secondary care referrals, reducing opioid use or, or overuse, um, and an imaging, imaging request was the original sort of um, ask from the CCG that we were involved in. Um, so we've done it for a long time and, and Keith made some was extremely articulate, made some very good points, uh, obviously experienced clinician of a similar 
timescale to me. You talked about senior ones and juniors and senior twos, and that's that's my language as well, which was which was nice <laughs> to hear actually. And then we're band fives and band sixes and band eights, and and putting that ahead of your actual job title is also nice to see what is on the same page there, which is nice. So, <laughs> so it was it was a really nice um, a really nice discussion. I thought it was very very interesting. I've listened to it a couple of times now, um, and I thought well, it's worth discussing my experience or our experience we've got about um, 88 fcps now that work work with us um and many of which we knew in fcp for for, for for many many years um some of which have been doing fcp for several weeks you know so it's it's a very mixed bag and being involved in um developing new services with pcns and, and talking to ccgs and all the new things that are coming out um and interviewing people that are coming into the roles i think it's allowed me a an interesting, not just me, but our team, an interesting window onto some of the brilliant things that are happening with FCP, which there's many, and some of the challenges of the sustainability. And something I'm very passionate about is is sustainability. And with Keith saying, you know, you've got a very experienced clinician there who's come in, enjoyed FCP, I think I think he said 18 months, been enjoying the role. Um, in his, the, the, what I took away from that talk was that the roadmap was, um, something that was just he, he saw to be almost a bit of too big a hurdle for him to want to take on at that point in his life when he's got other things going on um i was fortunate enough uh, at the end of last year to be asked to be on the sentinel trainer program for the um fcp roles uh, by health education england um and so i've got a reasonable hopefully <laughs> a reasonable insight into how how these roles and how the roadmap should be interpreted and delivered and i think um like like Keith, I realise I'm just chatting away now, so you might want to butt in, but I can keep talking the the, the whole thirty minutes, I'm sure. So so that was the reason where I thought that I want to I want to get involved because there's there's things the way I interpret and hope the, the the roadmap is probably more a more gentle way and a more um, an easier way to achieve than Keith perhaps interpreted it when he made that decision to come away from FCP, perhaps due to the the uh, perceived arduous nature of of the roadmap. Was my was my thought? No, I, well, I get I get plenty of time to talk on these shows, so you don't need to worry about that. I, I, the listeners have no doubt much rather hear from you as well, so um, we didn't worry about that. But I would want to start really from there then, in trying to work out because I've I've used a bit of clickbait. Let's be honest, because I don't think we've been ever attacking FCP. It's certainly not my position or the position of Physio Matters or chewing it over for it to be needing a defence of. But similarly, I think there are some areas where that as you've just described it my show with keith did did describe and discuss the fact their roadmap was too onerous for some and including him and so that that it, we weren't neither of us were trying to imply that that was representative of the whole or that he was saying that everyone else should feel like that but that was definitely a relevant and interesting case example of someone that we would typically want to be um mm. in those roles if he's someone that's interested in doing them and, and delivering quality care so it, it was just a good example of it so if we were trying to defend one thing um it would be potentially that you have a different take on how onerous the roadmap is or should be or needs to be and i wonder if i can phrase it this way though in that podcast and in others i have mentioned the fact that the fact that then you and him as thoughtful clinicians in those roles and attached to this and passionate about raising standards 
can interpret it differently. That's a problem in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. It's, not, it's not just yeah. that the fact that it can be interpreted so widely differently that would affect his career trajectory. That for me is is a, is a problem independent of who's right. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's it was made last week and it's a very good um, uh, point. And I think it's it's been a challenge. And when I when I talk to other people who've been involved in the creation of the roadmap, I think the the FC Pro P role was has been around for for a little while, probably longer than most people as an entire cohort of physiotherapists would 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 recognize certainly longer than most people in in primary care would recognize i mean i still talk to clinical directors who think it only existed after last april when the additional roles reimbursement scheme came out which is which isn't isn't true um and as a result of that the, the idea that was discussed again last week i like the analogy of, of sort of trying to trying to fix the plane whilst it's in the air <laughs> was was brilliant i've said a couple of times i'm gonna i'm gonna see a lot and use it probably myself many times mm -hmm. going forward but but I think that the robot has brought in with in an attempt to try and put some regulation around something that's already happening and it was happening in a very rapidly accelerating way um, and the variability something that I'm very very aware of because of you know we've, we've got this uh, we support PCNs in the south north east west of the, of the country um, in, in different rural and, and urban environments where the, the demographics very very different the variability in what's PCNs consider FCP to be and what FCPs consider FCP to be is 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 wildly variable is is it's, it's night and day so so the inter so coming back to the, the question really yes it's um it, it's interpretable in different in different ways i think 106 pages is never going to be or thereabouts in the 106 page document is never going to be interpreted the same way it's a bit like the the bible there's a big deal to say different things than any other religious um things out there but the the, the when i think the nature of what what i've had to do and and and, and i've had the time to do it so it's, it's going to be is to go through that and go through that and go through that and pull out yeah. probably the key things and i think the key things uh, are when you strip it back to the the key what is required um and i think it does add a bit of complexity to stage one stage two but when you strip it back it's stuff you're probably already doing or you should be already doing it's just basically writing it down and that that's how i look at the the roadmap really whether it's stage one stage two it's reflecting on what you're doing in practice it's being observed to make sure you're probably doing things you should do and and, and having questions asked of how you're doing things to allow you to reflect and demonstrate those skills and and it, it's kind of I, i'd see it as best practice full stop whether you're in healthcare of any of any description actually being reflective being assessed being open to criticism in a, in, a, in a constructive way which i think is really what the roadmap's trying to get at um is good some of the numbers for example you've got to do you know 40 patient feedbacks or 10 non-clinician feedbacks or non-patient feedbacks these sorts of things sometimes can seem quite arduous but again the fact that the deadlines then then moved is to allow perhaps a bit more flexibility but it all comes back to this idea it's not perfect i don't think anyone involved in creation of the roadmap would would argue it's it's a finished piece of art work and it's done dusted and that's set in stone tablets of stone it's it's an evolving creature part of that evolution probably doesn't help with the clarity because what it was six months ago it could be well it is slightly different now to what it was six months ago in terms of the the time scales and the the, the how you do stage one stage two time scales wise and that will probably change again, but it's it's trying to give some um, basis for some degree of standardisation. And I, I, you know, I look at services where they've got a, for FCP, they've got a six or eight week waiting list. 
and they're doing four sessions of follow-up in what they consider to be an FCP service. Um, I'm glad you, you shook your head. And, and versus other other areas where they're doing they're doing a service where they're I mean uh, I know of, of services where they are doing um, injection clinics every day and they're injecting about 20 23 percent of their cohort now. That's to my mind. That's 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 an awful lot of injections. I've injected 15 years. I inject probably less than one percent of the patients I see now in FCP, because there's, there's pathways there. We don't want to strangle the pathways that exist. We, we you know FCP is a part of the primary care system, and which in itself is part of the NHS. And actually, if we go in and say, well, actually, we'll start doing all this here. Some of it we should do, but we shouldn't do that at the expense of existing pathways and rehab services. We should integrate to them rather than try and duplicate i mentioned that that six eight week wait one madness and it, it drove me around the bend yeah, but, it, 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 but the two two good examples of of of, of how the, the 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 attraction and the opportunity that fcp brings which is to enhance existing pathways and bring quality care and advice as, as close to that 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 point of first first contact of course is is so exciting and a great opportunity of which i've, I've spoken about many times the fact that it could then be done badly, corrupt even existent processes and, and pathways and systems is, is, is obviously the, the obvious downside to it. And that's one of the things that then an, an appeal to standardization, some governance, some um, infrastructure that can help to sort of regulate and, and appeal to self-regulation, which is often why it's fallen on to, to, to clinicians to aspire to a standard, mm. um, is definitely well-placed, well, well placed, well-meaning, and, and I'm a bit of a cheerleader for the roadmap in, in principle and in, in practice, in, and the roles. I suppose the thing that, that's been, the thing that's constantly left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth is how quite simple concerns that were raised about workforce or simple concerns that were raised about quality assurance or the fact that then how do we make sure this doesn't become just another paper exercise that's not then worth the paper it's written on you know this this idea of it becoming just a bureaucracy that then would stop quality clinicians bothering with it but then also someone that just wants that that pay rise that that might bring then just yeah. complying with it when we raise those things it was seen as heresy. Like it was something that was so, because there was such a lot to gain as a profession and, and, and arguably as the industry at large, if it was a good enough idea, it was like the ends justified the means on cutting corners and that it was seen as being like, don't talk it down or, you know, big fish in this space have, have asked me just to just to hold my horses on that. Maybe in a few months it'd be more appropriate. It wasn't politically expedient to ask those questions. And I wasn't doing it and we weren't doing it as contrarians. It was that we saw stuff like this coming. And so that for me, that hushing tempered approach to public dialogue on it, I think is one of the things that's been most frustrating. And I'd just love your, your thoughts on that as to whether or not, and I'd be totally invite your thoughts on whether you feel it has been poor timing from me and others as commentators on that i, I think i think that the key thing to us to understand with fcp is it's been around for in primary care it's been around for for, for many years in many areas not in all areas uh, and and where it's been around for many years the understanding of how it works has evolved the creation of the the, the, the explosion which occurred last april with the additional roles reimbursement scheme which incentivized PCNs to use the money because it goes back to a central part if they don't use it. So they were just there was a huge incentive to do this, and it happened completely at the wrong time because COVID happened. So existing services were being being were struggling. 
private clinicians were, were struggling. You then had this explosion of opportunity jobs-wise in FCP. Um, and, and, and the governance wasn't there for that role at that point. What was it? it was the end of, last, end of 2020 when the, when the roadmap came out um, with an understanding that it'd be kicked in by this April and enforced by next April. Again, that, that, that timescale's changed. I think um, what, what, what's, what we've had to try and do, when I say we, what health education has had to try and do, and I don't speak for them, but, but in, in, my, in my understanding, is they've tried to catch a, a horse which is bolted um, and they're, they're doing the best with that. I think, I think to criticise that is difficult because they are doing a difficult job. They are literally trying to catch this wild horse. And I think what we need to do as a profession is recognise that we need to do something, recognise it's not perfect, accept the fact there's risks. And I think some of the risks you mentioned there, we interview an awful lot of people for FCPs. We interviewed one this morning I was involved in. And um, um, the one this morning was good, by the way. So I'm not going to say anything about the chat this morning in case he's listening. But <laughs> we, we, we interview a lot of people. And, and the, 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 um, the, the, the suitability for the roles varies you know, extremely. So some people really, I, I think, would be a band five um, that, that are applying for, you know, about essentially a band seven plus job. Um, and the interesting thing, as I all often see on things like LinkedIn, that they are, um, they then, that we, we don't perhaps accept, offer them a job as an FCP or even a development type role, but they will then have a job in a few weeks time. I'll see on their LinkedIn, such and such has got a new job as an FCP. And that sort of thing, we do need to be critical of, not of the individual clinicians, but of the, the fact that the pressures that's created around FCP and the opportunities and the fact that you can get paid more and the fact you've got this title which you can stick in front of your name, whatever else you want to do. Um, you can even stick the band in front of your name, as, as, as everyone loves. Then um, <laughs> then drives that, 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 that um, model to somewhere that it probably shouldn't be. Equally, the other thing that I'd say from a, from a something we should be we should be debating a bit more in fcp is is fcp all about advanced practice and and i'd argue i'd argue it isn't i'd argue it's about good quality physiotherapy and what i think the advanced practice element of fcp is is advanced clinical reasoning um it's not the injection the prescriptions the imaging requests you know they're they're cherries that you you may you may need in an fcp service but you can deliver an fcp service without those things very very well if you're reassuring your uh, safety netting, you're um, getting the person the right pathway for self-management, which is probably 85 plus percent of the patients you're going to see, then that's brilliant. And I think there's a big risk at the minute with FCP. And I see that the, the, the explosion of blood, blood courses and injection therapy modules. And again, having done it uh, injections for many, 15 plus years, um, I do really worry about the inappropriate use of injections by relatively new injecting therapists and i probably was there myself you know years ago but i was in orthopedic triage type roles where I, they'd already been triaged down to the point where i'm going to see a significantly higher proportion of people that require will get the benefit yeah. from injections yeah. we know now even since then you know tennis elbows shouldn't be injected um you know trochanteric bursitis does it even exist you know all these sorts of things that we're we're we might, if I go back 15 years, I was probably thinking, oh, yeah, well, we'll check that, we'll check that, we'll check that. And you will get some pain relief, but is that in the best interest of that person? Or what are we creating from an FCP point of view where we can reassure and, and um, educate and perhaps refer on? But are we actually starting to create a returning customer by saying, we'll stick an injection because we can do it because it's advanced practice because it's FCP? Um, and that's one of the things I think we should be debating a lot in, in, in this FCP discussion is what is the key 
to a quality FCP service. And I would say it's yeah. quality physio. Well, yeah, and that, that's Matthew Wyatt's point always has been. I don't, he's been that's another FCP related tuning over show we've done where he said about how really it's that quality you're bringing. If you bring quality clinicians closer to the point of of, of access, then that's only going to be a good thing. But if if instead you draw out a, an almost harking back to a medical model of, of protocolization of, of of orthopedic triage, what on earth are we doing? So I, I agree with that, and it's a lot of it music to my ears. Did you get a chance to listen, just because I don't want to repeat it, if you have, um, the podcast I did with Rob Goodwin, who did his PhD in, in sort of FCP? I, you know, it's, it's a really great question. I haven't, but I know Rob through, we're looking at doing some work with him on um, Nottingham University on some of the data we've been collecting. So we, right. we, we deliver about 13-ish thousand FCP consultations a month. Mm. And we, we collect data that we're keen to inform the the sort of uh, research aspect of, of work in primary care. Right, because you so, so um, a shameless plug from me, but we did a long-form Physiomatis podcast over between an hour, an hour and a half with, with Rob, who I used to work for and with uh, in Nottingham. Um, and just, just pre-FCP that was as well, before he did his pilot and I, I left. But the reason I bring him up is because one of the things that he made in that podcast and has been vocal about before is that he says that what you've described, which is that there's some advanced level reasoning skill, especially with regards to sort of that make front end medical triage systems thinking, uh, which which you know is is considered um, certainly a more trained skill postgraduate. But the imaging requisition, bloods, listing, those sorts of top end, top of license type skills, as they've often been considered, he sees as being far less important as you've described it. Now, I think that. Unfortunately, though, begs the question, what caliber on a governance level do we send our graduates out into the world as, considering that unlike in, in medicine, we don't have training roles that mean that then someone can't set up on a, you know, our, our graduates can set up in private practice on their own from scratch from day one and then never see another clinician again if they didn't mm. want to, right? Now, there's arguments about what the hcp does and doesn't do in those instances of which me and my think tank have been speaking about at length on governance but without getting stuck into that i think very few people offer much of a tepid uh, defense of, of, of that governance as if to suggest that there is some sort of onerous regulation on clinicians that they can't slip through the net right but why i'm bringing that up in this context is that back when the roles were really being attempted to be defined and when the csp was doing a lot of its lobbying about this it was being pitched as the tippy top and that people mm -hmm. like neil language and amanda hensman crook were being billed as if look at the caliber of clinician and that the case studies and even the data was flowing downstream from that to the point in which it was then part of it was that the csp seemed to feel like you couldn't make the economic case for an appropriate banding if you didn't then also sell sell the bells and whistles so mm. it's like how do we how do we square that circle now as we're attempting to make the case that you're making well about the clinical utility being different to what was being promised i i, I do think that that the the um if you want the extended scope although that's that terminology coming away now but you know the, <laughs> the, the injections the prescriptions yeah. the the image requests um we're in primary care we've got access to all those things via the gp is, is the first thing i'd say or, or the msk pathway now um in many of the pcns we support 
the GPs, the PCN wants us to do X, Y, or Z of those different those different skills, and we do. Some of the PCN work, and they say that we, we want you to go in, we want you to deal with as many patients as you can, and if we are genuinely injecting around one percent, which is what we're looking at in our, our FCP service, um, then we'll 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 do them, and you can crack on seeing the next person. We, we'll deal with those ones. We'll deal with the prescriptions because we'd rather you be seeing the maximum number of patients and not having to worry too much about follow-ups. Follow-ups should be in FCP service, I think, very very low indeed. You're less than certainly less than ten percent. Again, I talked to a to a service two or three weeks ago where their follow-up rate is forty percent. Um, so they're they're getting back, you know, an awful almost every other patient back into back into clinic to, to follow up repeatedly. Another one was sending forty percent of the patients to GPs, or just under thirty eight percent back to GPs for them to do further work on. I think in a good FCP service, we are just good physios, we're, and, and Rob Goodwin's work around what band it should be. I still think it should be an experienced band. Absolutely, it should be it should be you know band seven band eight the additional skills can be very very useful in certain situations but it isn't what fcp is i think fcp in my opinion is um a, 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 yes perhaps you could call yourself an expert clinician or a very experienced clinician a competent clinician with good governance around you because anyone in isolation and i think um you know some of keith's points and actually other other very experienced fcps i've talked to who are who are you know, 20 plus years experience in MSK and I've done all sorts of bits and pieces. One of the things that they, that when I talk to them, they, they, they say is that, that if they're working in isolation for a PCN, um, who do they go to for governance? The GPs and bits and pieces. But if you've got a good governance of structure around you, and again, I think this is an attempt by HE to create some degree of expectation and and, and, a, and an ability for that person that's, that's on their own, perhaps in a, in a PCN to say, I need this support. This is what's needed by the roadmap, which is part of the need for additional roles. And it gives them a bit of clout to say, I need this supervision. Without that, I think we're in a situation of um, they're isolated, very, very isolated. I think the governance around individual, no matter how good or skilled they are, is is, is crucial. Well, I, want, I definitely want to come back to that isolation point because it's an, a big concern of many, I know. But this is an interesting comment that's come through from YouTube. So we don't get their name. We just get a like an avatar. So Cully11, thank you for your comment. Uh, said the roadmap, in his opinion, her opinion, is the bare minimum of any FCP MSK practitioner should be doing. I've been working for a PCN and seeing the scrutiny junior doctors are put under. And that is the level that we should be working towards. Your thoughts on on that, Finn? Because I, I, think, I think that, that I've admittedly often used medical governance as a proxy for what we should be aspiring to as a professionalization of our training contracts. So uh, I do agree with that comment. I think it's um, it's an interesting one. When I, the, the fact, there's several things there. The fact that GP, trainee GPs have a funding allocated to their development, which means that the senior GPs, the trained GPs in the practice, have got time it's worth their while financially they can allow themselves to take time off to develop those newer gps whereas in the fcp roles that doesn't exist so the that is a, such a key point i think to recognize and when i when i when i deliver some of the um su supervisors courses to or, or trainers to then become supervisors i did one uh, several months ago and on that course there's probably 12 people nine of which were gps um and nine of which were GPs there that were going to do in the course specifically to become FCP supervisors. And a debate that comes up, a question that comes up a lot, and it has done on previous courses, is how what how can we supervise if it's 20 to 30% of our time needed to supervise an FCP or their time, which is, which is what's recommended? How can a GP take out of their time even 20% without backfilling that funding to allow someone to, to cover those patients? 
in order to develop an FCP? Um, I think it's a very difficult question to answer. So is it the bare minimum? Well, it's interesting because Keith would probably argue not because it's, it's a lot more than he, he would want to do. And it, again, I put, he was, came across fantastically well, ex extremely experienced clinician. And that's the frightening thing is he feels it's, it's, it's more than he wants to do. Not to say he couldn't achieve it. I'm sure he, he, by the sounds, he probably could, in my mind, probably quite easily. Um, he thinks that. And you've got another clinician thinking it's not enough. So it's got to start somewhere. Again, the horse is bolted. We're trying to we're trying to put something around that horse to try and tether it back in and give some degree of governance, albeit not in an ideal situation. I think to if the roadmap should be what we're all doing anyway. We should be reflecting. We should be doing these things. It's just documenting it. It's documenting in a way which will suit some people, and it won't suit others. But our reflective CPD diary should pretty much reflect plus or minus most of the points that are being brought up in a. Um, you're in, in the roadmap. Um, the roadmap just gives some some structure to it. And there'll be a lot of these structures, I think, coming out over the next few years in different different roles within the profession and in, in other professions within primary care and perhaps within other areas. And I, I generally would very much welcome it because it allows us to demonstrate our clinical... It's an evolution of the profession, as you kind of alluded to. When mm. we started, you know, as, as we were basically giving massages donkeys years ago, we're now doing injections and prescriptions and, and people are developing specialties in all sorts of different areas. How do we, how do we create that pathway of, 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 of a career from something that hasn't, it didn't exist, mm -hmm. you know, 60 years ago in yeah. anything like the way it, it occurs now. So, um, and that's where that opportunity that we've both talked about is, and, and we need to never lose touch with that because it's something that, you know, uh, if I'm accused of, of, of something on this, it's often naysaying and that obviously, you know, I need to make sure that I emphasize the reason as to why we pay attention to this so much as a topic is because that opportunity is so great and the gains that could be made are enormous for the system and that for someone who's passionate about rehabilitation focused healthcare generally it excites me to bring quality clinical reasoning to that point of access and so it, it's because the stakes are so high that i think we end up having these these discussions francine thank you for your comments you said really good point gps have very different training to fcps um and that obviously that 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 skill mix is something that's been loaded in many ways and that, that our better integration with our gp colleagues i think is a real obvious upside i know we're in overtime finn so i just want to ask one last question if i if i may about isolation is that because some people it does seem that there are such different models and such different supervision um, structures and such different pathways. Some are integrated services, some are structurally isolated services that have to refer elsewhere because it's a different company, because it's a, a, an independent trust. In such a way that there are some clinicians that seem to be, whether they want to or not, and we hear from from the ones that don't want to, but do feel isolated and feel that they are otherwise ungoverned <clears throat> And you know, almost left to their own devices um, in, in such a way that means them they feel vulnerable. And they also, in the next breath, will say, and I've got a colleague of mine who who uh, I know of that's doing X, Y, Z, that loves the fact that they're left alone. In fact, went into that role because they were sick of being got at by their manager who wanted them to apply nice guidelines. You know, it's like I'm hearing those stories too. And I'm not saying they're representative, either story is representative, but you did mention isolation. I wonder if you can speak to some of those stories and how you mitigate that. 
we we it's it's very interesting. And as I say, this this I mentioned this Wild West situation in FCP, which I do think I do think there is. Um, I, I think it's actually improved from what it was. If you ask me, February time, I was just saying it was carnage out there. Right. In, in my opinion, the, the discussions I mean, it was it was madness. Some okay. fantastic stuff and some horrendous stuff. And I was I I'm asked sometimes by. Uh, legal companies like Hill Dickinson who work with Health Education England to have opinions on certain cases that have perhaps gone a little bit wrong. And there is some clear uh, lack of governance, lack of accountability, lack of um, yeah, governance out there. And where that seems to occur is probably where there's been governance let down. And the governance can only be created by a support to the individuals within a role. So whether that's you know, the support from a trust to their own trust members within with their supply and FCP, whether it's an organisation independent like mine that that we and have to support those FCPs, or whether it's an independently um, employed physio in a PCN. And I think that's where the biggest, unfortunately, the biggest risk comes is when you are a physio on your own in a GP surgery, um, in some cases perhaps dictated to by the the different partners across GP surgeries and what I've certainly found in, in PCN, some PCNs work together brilliantly well and, and they're, they're very integrated and it's a very nice system. Other ones, some practices won't talk to the practices and they very much want, you have this half day for this physio, then you have a day there, then you have a half day here and a quarter of a day there because they've not got a big enough population and there's <laughs> continual bickering. And so we get contacted probably, I don't know, frequently, maybe not every week, but on a regular basis by, um, FCPs who are working in that that manner, who don't feel, who struggle to have a, a point of contact, and and when we do the training courses on behalf of HE, and when we are discussing these things um, as as a as a sort of profession, there is a lot of attempts, a lot of attempts to try and create um, working groups that cross um, organisations, so NHS independent, directly employed. But it is difficult because if you're if you're supervising if you're supervising your own team from whatever you might be doing so you're, if you're an FCP supervisor and you've got five FCPs you're looking after, then the it, for, to then look at helping to supervise someone else when there's no there's no time or cost attributed to that it's difficult yeah. to do it. So you can give support in terms of WhatsApp group and and, and you know, help, but can you actually be there? Can you give more than that? It's very difficult in practical terms to do that. Well, I get that. I think that that that, that is, but that's bad politics. It's bad, bad, bad economics, and it's 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 just a systemic problem with the failure to account for that time that is required to offer the supervision. I think one of the things that's a shame is that unfortunately, then because you do have a a pull effect for some people that want to hide into those roles, if they're given space to, then that becomes a, a difficult one. And again, as I mentioned, and. Feeling a bit sorry for myself on this point, which is why I keep repeating it. I guess is that um, to be seen as as talking the profession down to point out, even if there are a few bad apples, they're relevant because sometimes these cases can take up an awful lot of resource and taxpayer funds from when they go awry. And the fact that then you know that's what governance is for is for for, for you know filling the leaks in the bucket really. And 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 so it's been frustrating uh, to see some quarters see it as being nothing other than just contrarian naysaying when we say look no this is worth getting right because if we don't it'll corrupt the whole thing which has its opportunities that we've clearly talked about so uh, we're well over time now but but francine has, uh, has has given an example here of how she was unfortunately uh 
not given a good induction, given an hour to show how to use system one and then decided to leave after a few months. And and that speaks to what you've just described there, really, is that that support network is, is so important. Finn, thanks so much for your time. Can you just signpost people to where they can find out more about, about you and the company? And, uh, and then we'll wrap up there, mate. Well, yeah, I'm on um, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Finn Robinson, unusual name, Phineas, P-H-I-N, <laughs> Robinson. And um, Pure Physiotherapy um, is, our, is, is the organisation I help to, to manage. Um, but, yeah, it's been really, really useful chatting. It's, it's, it's great to talk, and I would encourage everyone that's scared of the roadmap or worried about the roadmap to talk to, hopefully, a supervisor they've got or or, or look, at the, look at the roadmap carefully and actually strip out the things that are critically important to do. And, actually... They're probably what you're already doing. I think there's probably a lot less fear once you run, run through it a few times. It's just documenting it, and that can be quite a pain in the backside. But it's um, yeah. it's not as arduous as, as as it might first seem. Good. Well, no, that's that's heartening, heartening news. And uh, obviously, we want to try and make sure we can all communicate that more consistently, um, so that then yeah. people like Keith don't get daunted out of the of this part of the the profession when they're yeah, the enjoying that case. work. <laughs> come back, Keith. This has been one big persuasion exercise for you. <laughs> Uh, thank you, you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And, and no doubt we'll have more conversations ongoing. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks, Thanks Finn. Cheers. All the best, mate. Bye-bye.